Hi guys, welcome to the Revive Stronger podcast. I'm your host as always, Steve Hall, and we have Jeff Alberts back on the podcast, which I'm really excited for um, because we're going to be talking about posing. Anyone who's been listening to or been following uh, myself on my journey during contest prep know that I reached out to Jeff because he is the godfather of posing, let alone kind of the whole of kind of natural bodybuilding for many of us. Um, and he it is an art. Posing is a huge integral part of a bodybuilder's kind of uh, game, as it were. There's dieting and there's training, but as we get closer and closer to stage, specificity kind of dictates that posing should play a greater role, I believe. And I think a lot of people underplay its importance. So that's what we're going to be talking today about um, posing and kind of everything about it kind of how you might want to plan your posing, um, when it's appropriate, when it's not, how much time to spend on it, and any kind of inside kind of tips and tweaks that we can have. Um, and hopefully you guys know who Jeff is, obviously from 3D Muscle Journey. I think if you listen to this podcast, you know who Jeff is, and he has been on before. Um, so I definitely recommend you check that podcast back. Um, and yeah, just follow Jeff on all social media and everything is a great kind of insight and look out on bodybuilding in general. But before I ramble on too long, Jeff, um, kind of, I was going to start off with the question that I think you'd have a great answer to is why is posing important for a natural bodybuilder who is going to compete, obviously? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. I think what, what you kind of mentioned earlier is I think most bodybuilders i want to say all but a lot of them really kind of don't put posing as that they don't really emphasize it too much it's almost like, kind of like people think like ah you know i'll practice the last week or two and we'll be good um but if you think about it all everything you're doing you know everything you're doing with a prep your diet your training your cardio you're preparing yourself to get on a stage to present your physique. But if you don't have the skill to present and that's what posing is, it's a, it's a huge skill. It's almost, you, it's probably more of a skill than, than doing a squat or a deadlift. If you think about it, you know what I mean? And it's like a lot of people are shocked, like when they're on stage and if they haven't prepared themselves for it and they haven't made it an equal part of their prep, they're just like kicking themselves in the ass because they're like, man, I just really kind of just, you know, sold myself short. So, I mean, if you think about it, we're trying to present our physique to the judges, to the audience. And, you know, you could you can bet that, you know, a, a well-skilled actor, you know, they're not going to make a movie without really, you know, going to acting school, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's huge and it's, it could be a game changer on game day. You know, if you're you're in a tight fight with with some other competitors, you know, the posing could actually be the thing that kind of puts you on top. And that that's been my experience in a couple of shows. Yeah, I know you've talked about how you believe posing and your ability to kind of hold poise and uh, pull it off in the best way. I mean, people talk about bodybuilding being kind of smoke and mirrors, and this is definitely an aspect of that where you can make your waist look more trim. You can make muscle groups look larger. Um, and there's nothing worse as a competitor going to a show and seeing guys on stage or even females who 
they have great physiques. They might be ripped to shreds, but then they get up there and you look at them and you're like, you don't even look like you know what you're doing. Like, yeah. it's, oh, it kills me. I mean, as a competitor, it's great having them alongside you and you're kind of, it builds you, it gives you a bit of confidence <laughs> yeah. when you're standing there. Um, but it's horrible yeah. at the same time because you know they've worked for months and months and months, let alone the years of off-season to try and build a physique yeah. and then they can't present it. It's... It is... Yeah, exactly. I think, and also the looking at like maybe on the, uh, maybe on the novice level, you know, if you have a, an awesome physique, you know, maybe you can get away with not posing too well, you know, cause you know, we're talking novice classes, novice divisions, but the higher you move up, everybody's starting to get pretty equal, you know, on the symmetry department, the muscularity department, um, the conditioning level, it gets really close. And again, like, the posing can, can really separate people. Um, you know, when you get to a pro stage, I remember, you know, the pro international 2014, there were guys that were, you know, more conditioned than me, you know, bigger than me. Um, and I think like the reason I kind of edged out and won that show was just cause I was able to present myself maybe a little bit better. Um, and that was some of the feedback that I did get back from the judges was that, the posing is that the way you hit the poses and the poise that you had, you know, I was able to endure because it was, you know, long pre-judges, you know, where you're up there for 20 or more minutes, you know, you need to have that, that poise and that conditioning to be able to withstand that, you know, you want to look good. The first pose you hit and the very last one, a lot of people on the very last ones, they're just like gasping for air and they're dying. Mm-hmm. So it, like I said, it's just, it's so important to, to really emphasize it or I'd say early on, like your mentality from the get go, when you start preps, like, okay, I need to make sure that at some point here, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to put some time aside to really devote to practice and be on top of it. So I'm well prepared. Cool. So yeah, to really cement it in anyone who's listening in your mind is think about the judges don't know what body fat percentage you are. They don't know how much muscle mass you've got. They don't know how much you're lifting in the gym. All they know is what they're seeing on stage. Um, and this is why, well, we'll talk about it later, but things like even up to your, your tan and your posing trunks can make a difference because uh, they're part of the package. And this is where bodybuilding really becomes an art. Uh, and you already, you started speaking about kind of the fact that when you start prep, you should be thinking about posing. It should be kind of one mm-hmm. of the things on your mind. Um, in terms of like, a t- do you have a timeline that you give your athletes and that you recommend kind of in terms of, or you could do it just like you would your training, like frequency, volume, um, that sort of thing. And yeah, how do you kind of yeah. generally have that going? Yeah, usually like in this in the start of a prep, because I do have a, a basic posing guide that I put together, I'll usually say, okay, here, let's let's study this. Like I won't say, hey, let's start practicing, but I want you to study it and go through it. So it's kind of like you're you're mentally you're seeing what the poses are looking like and should look like. But I won't actually like really start diving into practice till probably around twelve weeks out, maybe up to sixteen weeks out. And again, depending on the, the level of leanness the athlete is, because the reason I don't want to start earlier than that, let's say, generally the conditioning level isn't 
where it needs to be when you first start prep, obviously, right? A lot of body fat there. A lot of people, they want to see more muscularity, like in their mind, like I want to look, so they'll start putting themselves, like doing things that kind of put you out of, like put you in bad positioning or bad posture. You know, let's say on a front lat spread, they, you know, you really kind of push your shoulders really far forward. Oh, I want my pecs to have more definition. So you'll do that. But overall, it skews overall symmetry. It puts you in bad positioning. So I, I try not to like have people start too early to where they start developing bad habits because it's hard to undo that. So, you know, when they get to a, a decent level of conditioning where you could kind of see the outlines of all the muscle groups, then you can start putting them into better positions and you get the, the you know, the posture where it needs to be. So there is no bad habits being developed at all. Um, so it's usually anywhere between 12 to 16 weeks, just depending on, you know, the person and how, where their conditioning level is at. And that's usually a decent timeline to kind of dial things in. If we're talking, you know, bodybuilding, like men's and women's bodybuilding, what there's anywhere between what, 10 to 13, 14 poses, maybe that you have to learn. So that's, that gives you, if you think about it, okay, we can work on one or two poses per week and we can get that all nailed down before you actually step on stage so so my thing is if you give a person too much too soon like me let's say i say okay steve i need you to learn all 12 poses and we work on all 12 poses every single week you're not gonna be able to master that mm -hmm. it's gonna take a long time but if you say okay one or two poses all the attention and energy there it's a lot easier to grasp so it's a lot easier to teach that way as yeah. well no, I do a very similar thing with like, if I get form videos of my kind of athletes, you probably do very similar, like don't give them five different tweaks that they have to work on for their squat, give them one. Yeah. And then once they can nail that move to the next. Um, and I completely agree with the posing in terms of if you start too early, yeah, you, you're a different shape. You might be holding more fat around certain areas and then where that fat comes from, you might not even really know. And so you will have to tweak poses. And I know just from us doing our consultations that I had some kind of probably bad habits ingrained that made the tweaks a little bit harder. Um, fortunately, I was probably similar enough to the posing that we wanted that it made it okay. Um, but yeah, it's... It's something you want to start early, definitely, and maybe just not too early. So maybe, I guess that would be at that sort of time, 12 to 16 weeks would be like maybe 10 to 15 pounds over stage weight um, for most people. Maybe, yeah, somewhere there. So you are probably edging towards like 10%, maybe slightly uh, below that, potentially if you're a kind of male natural bodybuilder. Um, so no, and, and then in terms of frequency, does that increase and then kind of in terms of length of time posing, what are your recommendations there? So do you have like a workout, like length of a posing session or do you like smaller ones? How do you dose it? I, I, yeah, I like, I like smaller ones. Um, I personally have done like, I remember in the back in the day when I first started, I used to do like long posing sessions and thinking that, okay, I need to practice in order to really get this. So I'd spend like hour, hour and a half. But what ends up happening is fatigue sets in after a certain point in time. So like, I kind of like the cap practice at 30 minutes, you know, like any more than that, like if you're really like, if you're, especially if you're tensing the muscles, let's say 80% or more while you're practicing, you're going to start fatiguing. And what ends up happening when you're fatiguing, like in it, like, like a squat, you start fatiguing, your form starts to break down. Same thing with posing. You're, you start to break down, mm -hmm. you get in bad positioning, you get in bad postures. Again, starts, you start to get into that, the bad habits. 
So I think, you know, putting a cap at 30 minutes and maybe like when you're flexing, it doesn't have to be like pose as hard as you can. You could, you could pose at like, let's say 50% upwards of maybe 70, 75% tension when you're hitting, you know, when you're actually squeezing down on your muscles, that way you're not creating a lot of fatigue. Cause you're, you really, in a sense, you want to just learn the, the basics, the posture and where your body needs to be tensing the muscles that that's after that's after you get to positioning down, then tense, then learn how to tense down on the muscles. Mm -hmm. So there's like little stages there that, that one needs to learn, like first learn the positioning and posture, you know, then learn how to flex down and hold poses. Um, and it doesn't, again, doesn't have to be hundred percent tension. It'd be 90% and you're still going to look the same as if you were actually squeezing as hard as you could, mm -hmm. but you're able to, you know, hold poses longer because you're not basically shooting your wad, you know, Actually, on a similar note, some people, I've definitely heard the recommendation to pose post-workout because you're in a fatigue state. And so that's kind of like a good time to do it because you'll build even more endurance. I'm guessing that's actually probably not a great time to do it. And if you do do it, maybe that's one of the times you don't do so many rounds, you limit the time. No, nah, it's like personally, I'd rather like if I'm get done with the workout and then first thing I want to do is go eat. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want oh, yeah, to pose when I'm tired. I'd rather, okay, you know what? Let me, let me like, kind of like, you know, cardio, maybe I split it away from, you know, the training session. So it's a little more effective and efficient. So that's kind of how I look at posing, like set it aside, maybe on days you're not training. Okay. I'd rather, I'd rather pose maybe two or three days a week, 30 minutes. And again, if you're 12 to 16 weeks out and you're doing it two to three days a week, maybe four days, five days at most, but I wouldn't go more than that. 30 time, 30 minutes a pop as the weeks go on, you're going to get better and better and better. And again, you're only practicing one or two poses a week. Mm -hmm. So that's adequate time to learn one or two poses. You know, if you're, if you're doing two to five sessions a week, 30 minutes a pop when you're fresh, not when you're fatigued. Not again, definitely. it's about, that's about efficiency and being effective. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the, you know, in training, people think that you got to smash yourself into the ground in order to progress. And that's not the case. It's like, you want to be, you know, efficient, effective and perform well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and I had a, when we we're talking about this, just so the listeners and actually for myself as well, because I know when I was practicing my posing, I did it in front of the mirror, especially initially. Um, and mm -hmm. then I started moving away from that and start doing it in front of kind of my video camera and then looking back at footage. Do you recommend that transition or do you recommend people just start yeah. without a mirror, a mirror completely or yeah? No, no, I agree. I agree that you should, you should, you know, be in the mirror first cause you need to actually see where you're at. That's important. Like if you don't have that mirror there, how can you really tell where you're at? You can't see yourself obviously. Mm -hmm. So definitely in the mirror, like I still use the mirror to this day. Um, but I do, I will like set up a video camera and then do it without the mirror because you don't have a mirror on stage, obviously. So uh, I'll get the camera out and I'll record myself and then watch the video and see, okay, where am I, you know, maybe not holding the poses, right? What do I need to fix? Um, another thing I do too, is I'll practice in the mirror. I'll hit the pose with the mirror and then I'll close my eyes, hit the pose once I'm set in the pose, then I open my eyes to see where I'm at. And then obviously I get to see the mirror. So it's another tool that you can use. It seems it's, it's, it's a simple tool, but it's really effective. You know, practice with your eyes closed, open them up, see where you're at. 
No, I think that's that's brilliant, and actually, it's funny you say that because that's actually something I started doing because um, yeah. I was getting super frustrated because whatever I was doing my quads, I was not doing when I didn't have the mirror there. So whatever that visual feedback was, I was like, whenever I do it in the mirror, my quads are on. When I don't, mm-hmm. they just like there's something not right. So I was doing mm-hmm. the pose, I was closing my eyes, holding the pose, opening them, and I was hoping like it, repeat that, make sure I'm getting that. It was kind of the contraction with the hips back. Um, yeah. And I feel that's a brilliant way of getting it done. Yeah. So I'd say like mirror, practice with a mirror, practice with a mirror, close your eyes, and then transition to maybe the video camera. Or you can video it all at the same time. Yeah. However you want to do it. But the video, I think, is really a key because you have no aids. It's just you you know, without any aids. And it's going to give you a lot of feedback watching that video. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started learning how to pose, this was way back in uh, 1893. I mean, 1993. Um, so yeah, basically there was uh, I would, I would, I literally, I wish I still had the video. I might have the video somewhere, but I have video hours and hours wow. and hours because I, when I, when I started out, I don't know, maybe everyone who listens to this is too young, but I'm sure everybody's seen pumping iron, right? With Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then Ed Corney, the guy that's in there that does all the great posing. He was my head judge, my very first show. So, and he trained at the gym that, uh, he would train part-time at the gym that I went to. So I was like, well, shit, if he's a head judge, I'm going to the show. I better know how to pose. This is dudes, this dude's a legend. So just like having his, like, that was an inspiration to me. It, from from the get go, that's how important posing was to me. Like it was probably more important than actual like the diet and all that. Because I, I remember I practiced so much. Wow. Um, but yeah, when I had got into the show, I got best poser in my class, and and I actually got best poser like two out of the three years that I did that show. So, but again, just like the hours and hours of video, it was like just continuous feedback I was getting, and I would watch the video and say, oh, okay, let me fix this. So this, it became really valuable. So yeah, I can't, can't overemphasize enough, you know, just how valuable this practice and then just these things that we're talking about, like the mirror, closing the eyes and then getting into the video, how important that is. Mm-hmm. And so we've kind of talked about, we probably skipped a stage. In fact, we talked about kind of planning your posing timeline. Uh, but if we give the people, I mean, assuming there's definitely some novice bodybuilders or some aspirational ones here, how do you go about kind of finding your footing with posing? Like, what do you do in terms of like learning initially and kind of um, finding yeah. that? Because I guess, well, I mean, luckily I had, I think it was back when Eric Helms first came to the UK um, and did a Shredded by Science seminar. Um, he had some slides that were you posing. Um, and that's literally where I in 2014 when I first prepped I was learning from that um and also had a coach who was kind of helping me along in is that the best way for people to learn or like going to shows and watching uh competitors how would you recommend about it yeah that's so the the thing is like as you know posing is really subjective so I mean, you can you could go online and watch you know hours and hours of people posing, and I think for me, like I I would you know go to the local. They didn't have online stuff back then, but I go to the local shows and and watch people pose. Um, but I I mean I would basically like Ed Corny was my inspiration. It's like he was considered to be one of the best posers of all time, you know, in that era. 
So I mimicked a lot of what he was doing. Um, and then I just slowly over time, I started to tweak the style to fit more of my own personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's so hard to kind of just go out there online and to say, okay, what is right? What's not right? Because it's so subjective. Yeah. Um, and even like when we're talking, like you go to show to show and federation to federation, like it seems like they all have their little, little preferences of what they like in the posing styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just say wherever shows you're competing at, maybe it's a good idea to kind of see what styles is seems to be like more true. And then maybe from there you could like after watching yourself, you know, over and over, you just tweak yourself to kind of maybe how you like as well. Um, because that's how I kind of see it now when I pose, I'm like, okay, I'm going to pose the way I want to, like I feel fits best for me. Um, and I still have like feedback from, you know, the other coaches, you know, on, on our team or whatever, um, that might say, you know, maybe to try this or that and I'll try it and see, but, but yeah, it's, it's, that's a tough one because again, there's so many, it's, it's so subjective. Yeah. There's a lot of good posers out there, but there's also a lot of bad ones, uh, in my opinion, that are teaching bad posing. But again, that's just my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess. I don't know if that helps. But, no, yeah. I mean, I think it does. Um, and I, I, I honestly probably would have been lost without your guide uh, or that guide that was in the, the slides there. Um, so I think. Yeah, for people starting out, if you're listening to this podcast and you're already in a good place because you'll be looking, you'll you'll be able to look up Jeff and be able to see at least um, the poses Jeff's doing and um, things like that. And then when we're talking about kind of you, you got an idea of the poses that you need to hit. You've got a timeline in place, but then just uh, something I really liked from the guidelines that you gave was kind of the basics setting up kind of, we went through say a front relax, which is the pose you're going to be in most of the time kind of setting mm-hmm. that up because some people are, they're going to be like, right, I'm going to, I, my arms need to be here. This leg needs to be here, this leg here. But the way you had it kind of nicely bullet pointed out, kind of you start from the bottom up, um, and build from there. So yeah, if you want to take us through kind of the front relaxed. Yeah, it's just but all poses, like not just the front relaxed, but all poses, you know, I always like to start from the ground up, like, you know, basically like the feet, the knees, hips, torso, lats, shoulders, elbows, hands, like everything needs to be in its place, right? So if you start from the from the ground up, you're setting up your base, your footing, your balance. So from there, it's just like moving upwards and like every single joint and kind of like, that's how I kind of think of it. It's like every joint needs to be in its place. Um, and it can, everything can affect each other. And I think when we talk about posing as a whole, like every single pose, you know, we talk, let's say front double bicep, everybody wants to just focus on biceps, but there's so much more to that than just, you know, flexing down on your arms. It's, we want to make sure that you're basically creating the most symmetry and that that's for every single pose. And the way to do that, um, I think that's what we worked on with you a lot. was like, how can we make your waistline appear as small as possible while the extremities look as wide and big as possible? Cause that's, what's going to create that, that illusion of overall symmetry balance and it just brings everything together. So, so going back to the front relax with all that in mind, like working from the ground up, making sure that, okay, you know, if, if your toes are most people, this is general, most people, if your toes are pointing outwards 
again, that's going to flare your quads out further because you're, you're moving your feet out. Your quads are going to go out wider. That gives the illusion of your waist is now a little bit smaller because, again, your eyes are going to contrast from your waistline to your quads now. Um, so that's creating more contrast there. And from there, it's like, okay, slight knee bend, you know, because, that, again, that's going to push your quads out a little further. You get a little bit more tension on the quads. So you're getting that definition. Moving up from the knees goes to the hips. So you tilt your pelvic back. That's going to put pressure down on your quads. That's almost like, like in my mind, when I'm up on stage, putting my pelvic back, it's almost like it locks your quads in automatically. It's almost like a lock. I think of it as like a locking mechanism. I just locked my quads down. Uh, So it's not so much like, hey, I got to put so much pressure on my quads, like trying to flex them, but more so getting your hips back. And that generally will lock your your quads and your sartorius pops a little bit more. Um, Then from there, I'm like, okay, now I need to make my my upper extremities look big. How do I do that? Most people, okay, let's get your air up. Big breath up, expand your rib cage up. And then from there, it's just, okay, let's push your shoulders out, get the lats flared out again to create more taper. So now your shoulders, your lats are out further. They're up higher from your waistline and they're out further than your waistline. So you're creating more of an X frame. And then from there, it's just pushing your shoulders forward a bit. Not so much to where it makes your chest look concaved because that's a lot of people do. They'll push the shoulders too far. Chest looks concaved. Uh, but basically about where, you know, midline is with your torso and then you're, you flare the elbows out, keep your hands tight. Like a lot of people like their open hand fingers. I'm talking men's bodybuilding here. Keep your, keep your fingers tight, you know, and you know, your head nice and straight. Don't look down. Don't look too high up. Um, you look down, like we've talked about this, yeah. you put your chin down in a pose, some of the pose, not all of them, but like on the majority of the pose, you put your chin down, looks like you're straining you look uncomfortable and it just gives a look like I get a sense of like, okay, this person's struggling up there. You put your chin too high. Again, it looks like you're kind of like straining and unsure of yourself, but your chin is looking straight. You look confident, you smile, boom, you look poised and it just ties the pose in all together. Um, and when we did our Skype sessions, remember I'm like, okay, you hit the pose. I'm like, Steve smile. <laughs> and you smile. It's like, boom. Okay. There it is. It's like, it puts the policy in touch on it. Like, as an audience member, like when I'm in the audience and I see someone who's like gritting their teeth or looking hot up into the air and they're like straining, it's just, I, I, I'm in my seat kind of just moving around. I'm like, <laughs> but once they lock in, they look poised and they smile. I'm like, okay, it makes me more at ease. And it makes me like, okay, yeah, this dude knows what he's doing. And I could appreciate that a lot more. Yeah. I've seen it. Time and, they, People who know how to pose on stage, they just stand out. Whatever is happening, I'm just if I'm seeing a bunch of guys come on stage, and then some if there's someone who knows how to pose, like I can pick them out, and they stand out immediately to me. And normally, like you say, they're smiling, they look like they're enjoying, and kind of not kind of yeah, massively straining on stage. And whilst the listeners, but you might be thinking, oh yeah, chin position, does that really matter? Those tiny tweaks really, they make a big, big difference and big impression that might even be just like unconscious of the judges. They might just see it and they might be like, I'm not consciously thinking about it, but it does have an impact. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like um, we, we talked about, like on the frontal bicep, let's say you have like, I like when people put their thumb inside their fingers and they, they keep their thumbs tucked inside. A lot of, you'll see it. Some people have their thumbs out. 
And yeah, I mean, the judges, like you said, the judges aren't going to go, oh, look at that guy's thumbs. Like, they're probably not going to notice that. But if you're standing next to somebody who doesn't, is not paying attention to these little details, you're going to stand out just because everything looks polished and clean. It's like kind of like a, like your car, you wash your car, right? You don't want, you don't want a little bit of dirt on it. You want it to be squeaky clean. Like maybe if there's a little bit of dirt on it, it's next to some other car that's really super clean and detailed. Your eyes are going to go to that car that's detailed. The other car still looks okay, but you're like, nah, man, I'd rather drive that car right there. That one looks badass. So it's kind of like that, you know, as a, as a judge, they're not going to say, oh, wow, this guy's thumbs are sticking out, but just that person's going to stand out just a little bit more because they put the little details and the effort into it. No, yeah, definitely. And I think we're actually getting on to kind of the second part of what I wanted to talk about. Where are these kind of little details opposing? Um, and we're kind of talking about stage presence, the smiling, that aspect, and how important that is. Um, and some of the, the points I had kind of written down was, I think, and you might be able to add to these, I had kind of making sure to breathe out. I think a lot of people kind of forget that it's air up, but also the breath out. And when we were going mm. through my poses, it's something I forgot. And it's an easy thing to forget. Um, and I think that just goes into why practicing so important and then if you want to talk a little bit about the detail of you talked about kind of tensing 80 90 percent not going full out 100 percent because you you see competitors on stage and i mean people listening might be like why wouldn't you want to go 100 percent contraction you're trying to show your muscle off to its best surely 100 percent is better so why what's the recommendation for in terms of kind of not going all out on that it's kind of like if we can, I guess, let me see. I'm not good at analogies, but we'll try. We'll see. It's kind of like um, you're trying to do a 500-pound deadlift or, or what, 240, 250 kilos, right? You're putting max effort into doing that. Have you Look at people's faces when they do that, right? <laughs> they look like they're taking a shit, right? So basically, <laughs> you don't want to look like you're taking a shit on stage, right? You want to look like you're in total control. <laughs> you want to be poised. So just like if you were to do, you know, instead of 240 or 250, do 200, you can probably make that lift look a lot more comfortable, right? But the guy's still going to look jacked lifting it. It's the same thing when you're hitting a pose at, let's say, 90% or 85. The muscle's still going to be fully contracted. But the difference is, is you're going to be able to hold that a lot longer. You're not going to shake and tremble like you've seen guys on stage shaking and trembling. And you're not going to have the shit face. You're going to look like, <laughs> you know, the smile. You're going to be in total control. And that's that could be a... Like, again, if I'm in the audience watching you and you're in total control and poise, it makes me feel at more at ease. What do you think the judges are going to feel like? They're going to look at you and go, wow, this guy has his shit together. Yeah. He's holding these poses. He could, And, I, you know, not to talk about myself too much, but the Pro International, I remember at one point the, ju- the head judge was like, everybody was kind of gassing. I was fine. But like, hey, you know, you want more? I'm like, I just say, yeah, bring it on. I was like, I just, you know, wave my hands like, let's do it. I can do this all day. Yeah. I was not fatigued whatsoever, but everybody around me, I could hear the other competitors gasping for air, grunting when they're posing. Oh no. You know? And so it's like, I could, I know the mentality is like when you're up there posing, like you want to flex hard as you can. Cause you're, I want to show this. I want to show this. But if again, if you back off, you're going to look so much more control and you are going to look like you are the poised bodybuilder up there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and a great indicator too, like the one pose where like most muscular, yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe hit that one at a hundred cause you could get the veins popping and look, you know, kind of crazy. So, I mean, yeah, that's fine. But like, if you do an ab and thigh pose, you know, and if you see someone smiling doing that and everything is locked down, that's when you know they're, they're in control of their shit. Yeah. You know, cause it's pretty rare. You see someone actually hitting an ab pose, you know, for a long period of time and they're smiling and everything's locked in, especially their abs. Yeah. So that's just kind of like, my thought is like when I have posed at a hundred percent tension in the past, when I was younger, it just, it just didn't look as, as polished or in control as, as, as I, when I'm like, okay, 85, 90% tension. Mm-hmm. No, completely. And I think, well, a really easy analogy would be like a race car driver driving kind of at full speed around the track. They're not in control um, and they're probably going to crash and something's going to go wrong. Whereas someone who is going a little bit slower can navigate around the bends. Um, I yeah. know kind of, we haven't talked about it, but the transitions between poses, the more you can make those look kind of neat and tidy, the better. Um, and I think that's something I probably could work on a lot more in future is kind of the, the small transitions. And I don't think to try and talk about those on a podcast is probably quite difficult. I'm not sure if you have any kind of um, ways to talk about that. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's, I mean, posing to talk about posing without seeing visuals. I mean, the visuals are always really nice. Right. But I think the stuff we are covering is pretty important. Uh, but yeah, the transitions, like, I mean, again, it's one of those things where the judges aren't going to look at your transitions and go, okay, wow, this guy doesn't deserve to win. Cause he, he doesn't know how to go from a front double bicep to a front lat spread. But if they are smooth, and I think what's more important than being smooth and fluid, like that is definitely a nice component to have because that's something I do practice is going pose to pose and look, especially with posing routines. Like I want to go from point A to point B. I want that to look prettier than actually the poses themselves because that's what makes you look really graceful when you're up there. But when you're like, like we're talking about the mandatories, I think what's really important is getting into your poses quickly um, not, not to the point where you're not going to like getting into the pose. Like if you go so fast that you get in bad positioning, but more so if you practice getting into your poses, you know, with speed and efficiency, the judges are going to see you more in yeah. that pose. And I mean, I get it. Like some people are like, okay, I'm going to be the last one to hit the pose. So it's that wow factor. Like, yeah, boom, here you go. To me, if I'm a judge, I want to see that person in the pose. Yeah. Like don't, don't waffle around and waste time, get in it, get efficient. And that's something like that I've done. Cause we've had, you know, three MJ posing such classes where, you know, we've taken, you know, groups and that's one aspect that I've had, had them. That's one part of the class is like working on getting in the poses quickly. Um, and if you practice it, just like you practice the poses themselves, eventually you're going to be able to get in those poses like, like nothing. No, I have to completely agree, in fact, because um, an example of this, I felt it was at one of my shows, it got very late. I think we weren't on stage till maybe 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Um, and we mm-hmm. were as middleweights and as he- like the, the men's bodybuilding is always last on stage, basically, um, in the UK anyway. I don't know if the shows run in the same order over in the US. Um, but yeah, we're, we're last on and it was really late. So they basically were rushing us through it felt like. And so you're mm-hmm. kind of getting into your pose and like only, like I remember I only just kind of was hitting some of them and I, I was kind of getting frustrated with myself and thinking like, if I could have just hit that, like a 
good for you. Like, how are they even judging this? It made me think. Um, yeah. So I think when there are, I mean, you don't know how long the show, like how much time they're going to give you up there. And if you are a male bodybuilder and you are last on stage and they are running to a schedule, potentially they're going to push you a bit faster than maybe you want to. And I think, yeah, completely agreed. Getting into those poses quickly, um, but obviously making sure you're hitting them properly is, is kind of going to really make you stand out. Yeah. And kind of just to kind of mention, like when you get into them quickly, I'm not talking about like, like rushing, like there's a difference between getting into it quickly and then rushing. Yeah. Um, it's like kind of like tying your shoes. If you try to rush to tie your shoes, you know, you maybe you kind of miss, you know, it doesn't tie right. But if you take your time and your poise doing it, it's fast. It's just like, okay, yeah, I just tied my shoe and it looks, looks, it's the way it's supposed to be. So it's, that's what I'm talking about. So there's a difference between rushing, but, but being efficient and being quick. So that's what I'm kind of talking about. But yeah, it's like that sometimes the head judges, they'll, they'll, they take their time. They'll call a pose, you know, and you're able to hit it for 10, 15 seconds. Other judges are just like, boom, boom, boom. So, and you don't want to be that guy who's waiting to be last to hit your pose and you hit it. And it's like the judge is already calling the next shot. That's happened before. Like, it just depends on the show. So I think it's always a good idea to like whatever class you're in. If you, if you, if you're lucky enough not to be the first class, kind of see how that judge is calling shots. That way, you know, ahead of time, okay, how, how, how fast do I need to be here? Mm -hmm. No, I think that was a great, yeah, you don't really, I don't know if thinking about like, you don't want to be on fast forward, you but you want to get into the pose kind of efficiently. You don't want to be tweaking around all over the place really quickly and getting into the pose. You want to kind of, yeah, get nice and efficient. So I think that's a really good, um, good way of describing it, in fact. Uh, and then I have some further points to move on to, and these are kind of like show day specifics. So um, I didn't know if you had any thoughts on kind of, how does the posing at home differ to that on stage? Um, have you found some kind of mm. common things that change there? Because I know for myself, like the first time I posed on stage, I was very sore the days after. And then after that show, yeah. I wasn't. Um, and then I've had times when on, and on the actually on that first time as well, I was um, like quivering. So my legs were shaking, whereas at home, never, ever happened. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if you've had any similar experiences or your, your clients have. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, let me, let me describe it this way, or let me, let me give my experience here and I'll go back to the pro international. Cause I think the reason I'm going back to the pro international for myself is like, that's where I kind of learned how to really be super, super poised on stage. And this is like years later. I mean, this is like when I'm like you know, 43 years old, but I remember backstage pumping up, watching the other competitors pumping up like it was a workout, like, you know, you know, just really going to town on the pumping up. Like they're really fast and pretty intense. And then they're like gasping for air, even about like after they're, you know, pumping up, they're like breathing heavy. And I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. I already had a game plan in mind as far as pumping up. I'm going to do my push-ups. I'm going to do my rows. I'm going to do my, my laterals for my delts and my curls, mm -hmm. but I'm going to do 10 reps, nice and controlled, nice and poised, not super, super slow, but not fast either. Just nice and controlled, good quality reps. Um, and then I'd rest. Okay. You know, do a cycle of that rest, yeah. do another cycle, rest. So I was never out of breath, never feeling fatigued. So when I got on on stage, 
I wasn't, I wasn't burnt out. I wasn't fatigued. And then when I'm posing in with, with good, good poise, you know, 85, 90% tension, I never was getting fatigued. Mm-hmm. I was always in control and kind of going back to what we touched on earlier. You, know, when you practice, you're posing, like some people want to practice right after your workout. That's the same scenario that I yeah. see on show day. So again, if you're, if you're, you know, you're, you're separating your practice time for your training. And if you think about, okay, now I got on show day, I got to actually train and pose. So that's where I'm like, okay, I got to really stay poised backstage as well as on stage. And that to me, can be a, a really a big difference maker. Um, and I think a lot of the soreness, like we think like the next day we're super sore. Cause I get that way too. I'm super sore the next day from like, especially my legs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're holding your legs in a contracted position for a long period of time, yeah, you're going to get sore, but you also got to factor in if you're pumping up like prejudging finals. So that's a lot of, a lot of repetitions you're actually doing yeah. plus the posing. So that's, you know, that's probably the main reason why you're sore. Another thing to factor in too, is like when you get ready to go out on stage, your adrenaline's going, Yeah. you know, and a lot of times, sometimes the shaking is due to, to that. So if you're tiring yourself out, pumping up, you got adrenaline going, you're nervous, you get out there and you start posing hella hard. Yeah. That's, that can really kind of like, make you not look too, too polished. Mm-hmm. So it's really, you have to kind of think like when I go out there, I treat, even personally, I'm like, I try to settle my, even, you know, 30 shows, every show I still get nervous. I'm like, okay, let me, let me bring this down. Let me go out there and do what I do at home. Yeah. Let me just practice the way I practice at home. And it usually settles me down and I'm able to, you know, stay pretty poised. Yeah. I think, definitely see people i mean for me it wasn't a i think it was the adrenaline especially because it was my first show of the season and i was just so eager to give it my all and show that like i was just like this is i i know how short a time you get on stage so it was just like i want to tense everything and make sure everything's right so but it was a really good point that you brought up in terms of yeah when you're posing at home i'm i'm assuming you don't recommend your clients to pump up and then pose you're recommending posing fresh like you've said so that is something different and i guess what i'd say is definitely have a plan uh, in terms of the pump up because if Mm -hmm. you're you're not even if you don't even think about a pump up and then you're like oh hang on everyone like these guys pumping up i've seen it before people pumping up like even early in the day when they're on late in the day they're just randomly kind of maybe they've got a game plan behind that um but some people are pumping up like 45 minutes beforehand it's like well they're gonna they are gonna tire themselves out i've seen people pump up two hours ahead of time and i'm thinking like what are you doing (laughs) so but yeah it's like have a game plan in place and even like when i when i dish out my peak weeks and i have a game plan for pump up you know i'll i'll make a note right there pump up don't work out with a winky face you know meaning this is not a workout you know it's we just want some blood flow to get in there you know we don't we don't need you to be like huffing and puffing and having like sweat drooling down your forehead because you're, you're pumping up so hard. Yeah. I have Cause a- you remember, you got to get out there and you got to, you got to put out more energy into posing and, and it could be fatiguing. Yeah. I've seen competitors sweating before they've even got on stage. And I know how bad sweating can be for like, ta- like I've seen people's tans just, they're already ruined before they're on the stage, which is not what you want because I mean, if you no. are running tan, it's going to hide any definition potentially and just it just doesn't look good. Um, and I guess that is something to bring up. And I don't know if there's much to say on it apart from it does impact things. Sometimes the tanning product, it depends what you use. But I know 
um i think it's um I've forgotten what it's called the one you guys often recommend and uh, dream tan dream tan for, for um, male bodybuilders that yeah. can be quite yeah. slippy can't it i've not used it myself yeah. but some tanning products they can make kind of hit in the front relax even some poses just slightly different yeah the dream tan it's um it's kind of like a cream base and it doesn't dry so it is slick so like your front lat spreads your rear lat spread it can be really tricky because it's pretty slick so on those poses i really kind of emphasize using my thumbs as anchors yeah. like digging the thumbs in the sides to kind of get that grip um but all the other poses it's really i don't think it affects it too much but on those last spreads it can be pretty tricky even with other product too like if you have to use a glaze or an oil to get that sheen then yeah you become slick so it's kind of the same thing on the last spreads um and then yeah. some other questions i had that i i wasn't sure whether you'd have anything on it but in terms of kind of like when you're on stage obviously we're talking about poise stage presence when you're kind of the interaction with the other competitors, do you have any advice for that? Because you see some people can get quite, <laughs> it can get quite aggressive. Do you kind of think it's better for a competitor to back off a little bit or do you think just hold your own or, um, and how, I guess there's a fine line between looking like you want it and being a bit kind of like obvious to the judges that you want it, but whilst being poised, because you don't want to be so, I guess, so poised that you just look like you're just, but you, you are at home and you're not bothered about what's going on. Yeah, um, I'm trying to kind of reflect back on some of my experiences um, without mentioning names. It's just this is one one gentleman, um, pro bodybuilder that uh, at the World Championships, like it almost seemed like he was trying to step on my toes. Like whenever he hits a side chest, you you know, try to step on the toes, wow. um, or like opening up on a front double bicep, like almost like oh shit, this guy's gonna poke me in my eye before he actually hits it. So, I mean, that, I just kind of just, I try to ignore it mm -hmm. and just, you know, not, you know, not try to push back. Just say, hey, let me just hit my pose. Uh, but I've had some pose downs where, you know, the elbows, you know, you're pushing against each other to get space. Yeah. I'll push back. Yeah, I'm not going to let someone push me around. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push them back or I'm going to take a step in front of them and yeah. pose right in front of them. I've done that. And I don't think, you know, it's not like, Hey, you know, I'm trying to pick a fight or anything like that, but it's more about, you know, I'm gonna hold my ground yeah. and show the judges in the audience what I got. And, uh, but I'm, I don't purposely step in front of people in the, like first, I'm not going to step in front of you. Um, you know, but if someone's like pushing, you know, and they're pushing me and they're trying to create that space and yeah, I might step in front of you. You know, if you're going to be the, the, uh, the igniter or the initiator, then yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back down. Um, and I think the, the judges and audience appreciate that. And, and it's usually good natured. It's not like you're, you're actually up there fighting. Yeah. So my, yeah, I hold my ground. I think a, a good advice would be to like, don't be that guy to initiate mm -hmm. something bad, but, but yeah, hold your ground. Good sportsmanship. It sounds like to me, really, it's just having sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember one, one uh, my brother and I we were in a, an overall together um, at an at a NPC show. It was a non-tested show, and the, the heavyweight guy is big dude. <laughs> so we kind of tag-teamed him. We were like... <laughs> We were we were jumping in front of him on purpose. So I, I guess I take back what I said earlier. But it, we were smiling while we we're doing it. He was smiling and having fun. We were having fun with it. Um, of course, we didn't win. He won. He's a heavyweight. He was huge. 
now, you know, backstage, you know, we all had a good laugh about it, you know, and everybody was cool with it. And then, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, I wasn't trying to get in front of you and, and be a jerk. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, that was all fun. It was all good. So that's good. And I mean, from all of my experiences, people have, for the most part, I don't, I can't think of any bad experiences I've had um, with other competitors on stage. I think holding your own ground is a definitely good recommendation there. Um, and yeah, to, to close off, I had um, a couple of questions come through, which I was uh, glad to see actually, and uh, I, you might be able to help with these. And one of them was from um, Sock SBS on Instagram. Um, and he just asked about citrulline and glycerine on show day. So I don't know if kind of, I think they're both supplements, I guess, to take pre-pump up. Um, I don't know if you guys have any recommendations in terms of kind of other supplements apart from normally kind of having the sodium pre-pump up I think I know is a recommendation that you guys give out but I don't know mm -hmm. if you have any kind of experience with nah. citrine or glycerin I'm just the I'm the type of person or coach or however you want to phrase it that if you haven't done something and you have no clue what it's going to do for you don't do it on show day or just because you don't know what your reaction may or may, may maybe it is a good reaction but maybe not it's not worth the risk and if you know you look good the day before like friday you're like fuck i look amazing then why all this if you're doing everything you've been doing how it's not like on saturday you're gonna look like bad mm -hmm. so that's kind of my thoughts it's not worth the risk in my opinion so i never have people like hey take this supplement or whatever i don't even tell people to take supplements in general um, but yeah, it's just basically, it's like this, yeah, let's just not try to risk anything here. No, I think that's a good, and I was hoping you might have, I was thinking you might have an answer like this where it was just like, don't do anything unusual on show day kind of with, we don't want to get too far into it, but like, yeah, you eat, you'll see people having kind of like, I don't know, a massive greasy burger that they've never eaten before. And they're kind of like six months of prepping on show day and it's, do you expect to feel good after that? What do you expect yeah. to do? Do you, you don't know. I, it could be good. It could be bad. I've done like personally, I've done over 30 shows and in, like when I was younger, I would do some stupid shit like, oh, okay, let me do like, you know, Johnny Bravo over there said I should do this on show day. And I'm like, okay, I try that. And it's like, it never seems to, to work as maybe as good as I was hoping for. Yes. It's not like some magic. Um, often it's like made me look worse. <laughs> so, so it's like the, the shows that I've done where I've like put everything together, it was more about what I did, you know, leading up to that yeah. point. So I'm like, in my mind, like, like, why all of a sudden I'm like, I just keep doing what I'm doing. It's got me to where I hear I'm here now. So I'm going to keep stick with my game plan, stick with what I know works well for me. And that's it. Perfect. So, no, I think that's a good message to have. I, I, I always bring it back and this phrase rings true in my mind of um, you talked about peak week being the week not to fuck up basically. And I guess that's what yeah. the person's kind of asking about. And and what we've been talking about posing matters so much more than peak week in itself. Like, well, if you did, just don't do anything weird in peak week. But if you kept everything the same, all things being equal, posing, if you can nail that, is going to have such a like, massive impact on your performance. Kind of if we were looking at all the components of what's going to go into a good um, outcome for you, your training, your nutrition, posing is going to come above a peak week strategy. Um, yeah. I think, I think one aspect maybe to, to throw in there is that 
if you're on stage presenting yourself well, yeah, I mean, you like we're kind of talking about like this whole podcast about how can we make ourselves more competitive, maybe squeak over and get a victory with posing. But yeah, let's look let's look at a bigger picture than just that. It's like, okay, like I can look back at my show, you know, from nineteen ninety-three and look, oh gosh, my posing is is not that great there. So I look at those photos, I'm like, shit, I could have improved my like because what I'm saying is, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15, when you look back at your photos and your videos, no one's going to remember where you placed, right? No one knows. But you're going to look at those photos and go, okay, yeah, that's what it was all about. And you want to, if you're posing really well, then that's just going to be an even greater memory for you. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of like your trophies. Like, you know, what your physique is your trophy, basically. Yeah. So that's how I kind of look at it when I when I you know prepare for shows and I get on stage and I get those photos like I want to make sure that I am polished so like when I'm when everything's all said and done you can be proud of the work that you did because again no one's gonna remember your Mister Doodad from from 1993 no one no one's gonna remember and no one's gonna care. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a brilliant that's such a brilliant close to it as well. I guess the only thing I'd say is it's probably good to have like one lot of bad photos so you can do those comparisons <laughs> that's the only benefit i can see to having one poor showing um although it'll be brilliant to just have all brilliant photos likewise so um yeah excellent um anything else you want to add jeff or are you happy with kind of what we've given the listeners there no i think i'm pretty happy i think probably the last maybe the last thing to close on is uh you know yeah we're trying to win we're trying to pose better and all that but just keep in mind that the people that are in the seats is the one that's kind of keeping things going for us. Yeah, it gives us the opportunity to do what we're doing. If you're not going to do it for yourself, at least do it for them. Pose well for them because they're paying good money to see a show. Mm-hmm. No, totally. Um, it, it's really true. It is a show, exactly. So um, I want to make sure also that people know where they can reach out to you. I think you've probably got some kind of decent at least some show footage or some posing footage on your youtube channels on 3dmj's mm-hmm. youtube channel um yeah and over on instagram so i'll make sure all of those are linked below um so they can get hold of you and kind of check out all the stuff that you guys have got going on um i don't think you've got any specific posing your posing guides being redone at the moment i believe you say yeah yeah we're we're modifying it a little bit so it's not out for sale um we kind of took it down but it will be probably at the start of the year which would be perfect because that's where you know a new season begins brilliant um and i mean if the old one is anything to go by and what it's going to be even better than that then for anyone who is a competitor i think or even a coach and you want to coach people this is very very helpful to give out to your clients and will give them i mean a really good understanding i think i mean people have probably taken your guides before and even i did in 2014 and i had fine posing so i think if you can't afford a coach or you're not sure where to start it'll be a brilliant starting point so if anyone's listened to this in in the past um, make sure you check out that now that book might be available or the guide might be available so yeah thank you again Jeff um, for the time that you're, you've given me um, and I mean thank you I, I, just a personal thank you for the help with the posing for my show because I definitely looked my best at my last show um, and I managed to put everything together that you kind of taught me there cool it was, it was all the smile Steve that's all we <laughs> needed to fix <laughs> awesome right 
Cheers, guys, for listening. If you have got any kind of questions or anything um, you want clarification about, please do comment. Otherwise, thank you for listening in and we'll talk to you soon.